0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Encanto. Many years ago, this candle blessed our family with a miracle. Our house, our casita, came to life with magic. La casita. In time, every member of our family... Cecilia, up top! ...was given their own magical gift. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I understand you. I'm not super strong like Luisa. The donkey's out again. On it! Or, or effortlessly perfect like Señorita Perfecta Isabella. But, Mama, why am I the only one that didn't get a gift? You're just as special as anyone else in this
1: family. You just healed my hand with an arepa con queso. Casita?
0: What's going on?
1: The magic is in
0: danger. We gotta get out of here! We must protect our home. We must protect our family. This is my chance. I will save the magic.
1: Wait, how do I save the magic?
0: I'm losing my gift!
1: (laughs) Mirabel, the fate of the family is gonna come down to you. I can't
2: do this. Let me help you. The rats told me everything. Don't eat those.
0: (laughs) Even in our darkest moments, there's light. but at least i'll have a friend nope he flew away immediately quitter hmm. all right everybody you are just listening to the trailer for encanto and the story is as follows the madrigals are an extraordinary family who live hidden in the mountains of Colombia in a charmed place called the encanto the magic of the encanto has blessed every child in the family with a unique gift except mirabelle however She soon may be the Madrigal's last hope when she discovers that the magic surrounding the Encanto is now in danger. The film is starring Stephanie Beatrice, John Leguizamo, Maria Cecilia Botero, Diane Guerrero, Jessica Darrow, Angie Cepeda, and Wilmer Valderrama. It is written and directed by Jared Bush, directed by Byron Howard, and written by Cariz Castro-Smith. Here to join me today for this review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And also joining us as a guest here on the show, the founder of Film Posers, we have Josie Melendez, everyone.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Hey, thank you so much for coming here today. This is our first podcast together. Fellow New Yorkers uh, uniting here. Yeah, and it's getting cold. (laughs) It is. It is starting to get really, really chilly. But we have Encanto here to warm our hearts. Uh, It's the 60th produced film by Disney Animation Studios. And it's another film that has been kind of a trend for them these past couple of years in terms of telling stories from underrepresented groups and uh, adding another, I guess we can call, I assume, yeah, I think we could call Mirabelle a new addition to the... Disney princess lineup,
2: I suppose. Yeah. She feels I kind guess of she like could. Raya and Meg in terms mm-hmm. of, like, Megara, where you're like, they're considered Disney princesses, but they're not really, like, royalty, but we, we love them anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is also um, a follow-up film for uh, Jared uh, Bush and Byron Howard, who worked together on Zootopia, um, and they brought on... A, Charisse uh, Castro-Smith here to write. Um, I think when it comes to uh, Byron Howard, actually, if I remember correctly, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. he directed Zootopia, and Jared Bush was a writer, and he's now the writer-director on this. So anyway, it's from the creative minds of that film, and we all know how great Zootopia was. So how does Encanto hold up here against other Disney properties? What do we think of the music by Lin-Manuel Miranda? What do we think of the voice performances? We're going to go into all of this today on our review. So Josie, I'm passing it over to you first as our guest here. General thoughts. What did you think of Encanto?
2: I honestly really liked it. I was a little bit nervous going into it because of course I have a lot of friends that are Colombian and they were very divided. Some of them are very excited. Some of them were very worried because of course, when a property handles your culture, you get nervous and Overall, we all came out of it really happy. Um, is it? It is definitely a film that I feel could have been set anywhere in Latin America because Colombia doesn't really tie into the story specifically, but it is a beautiful representation of uh, Latina culture as a whole. It's just beautiful. It's just really beautiful when you talk about it and like the way the characters interact and the way the story goes. It's very unique uh, for me. It's not Disney's best, but it is its most extraordinary.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I like that. Now, just out of curiosity, you said uh, before that you have some friends that are Colombian, but you know you think that this can apply to anywhere really in Latin America. Where does your uh, family hail from?
2: Uh, I'm from Puerto Rico. And okay. originally there were actually moments where we were like, because I remember the film when they first released like a little bit of information of it, it was teased as being set in Brazil and then they changed it to Colombia. And then, like reading the press release, that you know how you get uh, the booklet and everything when you go to review the film. A lot of it was just saying that um, the setting was chosen at the end. First of all, they just wanted to tell a story about family, which I really do think it is very grounded in those values and how we relate to the people in our lives.
0: Yeah, the universality of the story, I think, is uh, you know very important here, so that this way it can apply to. Uh, All different types of people in that regard, while also including um, this very region-specific and cultural aspect of it that, you know, shines through in the characters, the voice performances, and really just the art direction, design of the entire movie. Josh, what did you think of this?
1: Uh, I would say that overall, I did like this movie. I thought it was mostly, like, very charming, very sweet and endearing and i think that for me this was a movie that kind of started a little bit stronger than it finished Uh, i really got into sort of the world building in the beginning and the character dynamics and i really liked that but i do kind of feel like at a certain point in the second half it kind of felt like they had an idea for a resolution but not a very clear path on how to get there and it just sort of It kind of felt like it then just ran into family as a strong element. And it felt like that as a theme was a little a little basic, to be honest. But it was still something that I found to be effective in terms of that emotion. And I think that overall it's still a very well-told story with some great songs that are in here. I wouldn't say anything that's like the pinnacle of Miranda's work. But, you know, very catchy tunes here. And, yeah, like... It's not a movie that necessarily wowed me, to be honest, but I was very entertained throughout all of it.
0: Yeah, you know, there are some themes in this and also in terms of like the storytelling structure that hits very familiar beats. You know, it's that Disney formula, right? We've seen it countless times before in other movies and they don't really do that much different with this here uh, with a few slight exceptions. But those slight exceptions are also things that... I was wondering while watching this if it would have made the movie stronger as a whole. I kind of disagree with you, Josh, just a little bit. I think the movie does start off very strong. I think it gets bogged down in the middle, but then I think it ends very strong. And that's because a lot of the themes uh, really start to crystallize at the end. And of course, I had a good old cry in the third act. (laughs) I held out the entire movie. I was like, I'm gonna be strong. They're not gonna get me. And then there was a scene at the end, which I don't want to reveal necessarily, but I'll get into maybe a little bit later. And the waterworks just flowed out of me. I I, I couldn't I couldn't stop it. It was, <laughs> it was too powerful. <laughs> they came for the jugular. <laughs> yeah, they really did. <laughs> Um, I want to first start off by talking about the character of Mirabel, because what I really love about this protagonist here, given tremendous life by Stephanie Beatrice in a really, really solid, great voiceover performance, I felt, is that she's an ordinary, not young girl, but a, a, like a adult woman who is someone that is looked upon in her family as not the matriarch of the family, but just someone reliable. And she wants to be a contributing member, but she doesn't have these, this extraordinary gift that her other siblings and other members of her family all have. And that really helps her to be extremely identifiable. And so what did you guys think of like the decision to age her up? And not necessarily have her be like, you know, a young teenager or something along those lines. And what did you guys think of Stephanie Beatrice's uh, voiceover performance?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting character that she has. And I did like how she is in this really interesting position of being very proud to be a member of this family, but also feeling ostracized, but also trying to reconcile where that feeling comes from it's not total resentment that she has because she still loves being connected to this group of people but still feels on the outside and that's tricky emotional territory to mine and i will give the storytelling a lot of credit for having a character with that kind of unique perspective and i think the performance matches that I, i i do give a lot of credit to a sort of interesting perspective with this character even if I do think that the resolution that we eventually get to is, like I said, nothing that I think is like that mind blowing because it is, after all, just sort of like it's about family and not that it's bad, but it is just a little kind of predictable that that's where it's going to end up. But still the assemble the kind of building up with that character is, I think, something that is still really interesting for this movie. Were you like half expecting Vin Diesel to just pop
0: up at the end of the movie (laughs) and just say, it's about family? (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) What'd you think, Josie?
2: I really liked it. I really liked Mirabelle. I actually didn't see her older. So I wanted to ask you real quick, because I I definitely saw her not as a young a uh, teenager or something along those lines, but do you know specifically, like around what age? Because I haven't read anything
0: age-wise. No, not necessarily, but I assumed that we were looking at, you know, say mid to late twenties. Okay. Yeah. That was my that was my take on it, Josh. What 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 did you read that into it as? Um, I saw her
1: like in her twenties. Like she didn't really seem like a teenager. No, she mm-hmm. seemed like somebody who was a little bit older, but not like. You know, too far into adulthood it felt more like early to mid twenties to me. Yeah, yeah,
2: like a twenty one to twenty three, because she was still living in a nursery, so that would be very
0: sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I especially really like uh, the relationship that is developed between her and her sisters in this movie. Yes. I I think that that is something that really gives the movie you know if we're going to talk about family you know we have to establish these strong bonds and connections that she has to the other members here and i was a little doubtful at first in terms of how all this was gonna kind of play into the story but the way that she interacts especially with isabella who is considered this beautiful like ideal person that mirabelle you know i i don't know maybe she has a little bit of envy for her sister because she's more quirky yeah I, I really just loved the way that those two characters interacted with one another and the way that their relationship gradually changes throughout the course of the story
2: yeah, their song has also just really grown on me. At first, it wasn't one of my favorites because I was just so drawn to Surface Pressure.
0: <laughs> oh, man. And
2: then, yeah, then Isabella's song just became an earworm. It's hard to get it out.
0: I freaking love Surface Pressure. I think that might actually be my favorite song in the whole movie. It's
2: so good.
1: And,
0: and that one is uh, done by Louisa, yeah, yeah. played by uh, Jessica Darrow here. I mean, that that might be the most fun and catchiest song,
1: I think, in the entire movie, probably. See, I'm actually a little bit different on that one. I do think that song is very catchy, but I also felt like it was a little superfluous, to be honest. Like, the amount it moved the story forward and the characters forward, I felt like it was necessary for what it was. But when it was over with, I have to be honest and say, like, it, it felt a little it felt a little like extra to me and Mm -hmm. the other song with uh isabella to me that was the one that had a little bit more emotional weight to it and Mm -hmm. more of the character growth and i responded to that just a little bit more not that the other song is bad it's still very catchy but just in terms of its use in the story i preferred the one with isabella
2: Hey hey there i'm hannah and i'm audrey
0: Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote the songs for Encanto because, let's face it, he writes the songs for everything nowadays, it seems like. <laughs> and I have to admit, while I was watching the movie, I, I thought that all of the songs were good, but not a single one ever approached that level of greatness that something like How Far I'll Go from Moana did.
2: Yeah, I felt the same way, especially with the I Want song, because Disney is known for their I Want songs. And while I did like the lyrics.
0: That was for uh, Waiting on a Miracle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: I like the lyrics, but I don't know if it was the delivery, because I thought Stephanie Beatriz was great, but I I think that was her weakest song. So I don't know if it was that or if it was just simply the way that Lynn wrote it. But just something about it. I was waiting for a How Far I'll Go moment, and I didn't quite get there.
1: Yeah, the, the songs are, like, they're good for the most part. Like, they work for this material, but there is something about them that doesn't necessarily, like, leap off the screen and fill you with this true sense of excitement. Like, they go with this movie and they are very well done, but it, they are kind of missing like that extra spark to make them seem sort of really more special. And even though you're having fun listening to a lot of them, it never reaches like that next plane of, okay, this feels actually something very kind of special and inventive. It's just sort of generally good. And something that's very unique about
0: this movie compared to other Disney films, uh, I, I like I struggle to... Think of one off the top of my head right now. This movie doesn't have an antagonist.
1: Yeah, which yeah. I don't necessarily mind, but I do think it feels like it doesn't have an antagonist, but it also sort of wants, like it, I don't know, the structure almost like still necessitates to there to be one. So it it feels a little bit awkward in terms of the storytelling in that second half, which is some of my complaints with it, and it just feels a little unfocused at that point for me
2: yeah the struggles are definitely more
0: internal which on one hand i really appreciated because it felt more mature yeah and personal yeah mm -hmm. but on the other hand it did feel like this movie really was missing um somebody to go against mirabelle not saying there had to be like an action scene or anything like that but it was a little odd to me that this whole movie played out with a conflict that was all internalized. It just, mm-hmm. And like I said before, I'm struggling to think of the last Disney movie that did something like this. And I'm surprised that it works as well as it does. But something deep inside me believes that the movie could have been better if there was somebody, you know, that was maybe the cause behind the curse or something like that.
2: Yeah, I don't see this as a solution, but I wish it had been explored more, which is the fact that, like, they kind of brush it over the surface, but they never really go to it directly. And it's the fact that um, Abuela Alma also didn't have any powers like Mirabel because she was given the miracle. Mm -hmm. And I would have loved to have seen that interaction between the two of them because why are you being so hard on Mirabel when you're in the same position as her? I really yeah. would have liked to have seen them explore that because it also deals a lot with how uh, older generations look to the younger g- generations for like hope and the future of the family, but then they don't see their own faults. And I, I, it just would have been such a great dynamic to explore.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good point because the abuela is like the closest that you have to an antagonist in this story. And yeah. Obviously their dynamic is complicated and I think that for the most part it's still interesting to see but there's definitely a lot more there that's more complex and nuanced and I do think that as we get into sort of the last act of this movie when they're going for the bigger emotions – I think maybe that missed opportunity is another source of my frustrations with a bit of the storytelling, like that it gets the job done, but it could be better. And that is a little bit, I think, of an element that's missing with this film.
0: See, I found it to be very confusing and hard to follow because I was kind of waiting for uh, Abuela, Alma, uh, Madrigal to kind of take a bit of a darker turn, if you will, and maybe start to really inhabit that antagonist role Instead, what the movie did in the third act between her and Mirabelle really floored me because, as Josie was saying, it was much more complex, and her story that she tells Mirabelle through that incredible song— and this, just a beautiful moment that the two of them share with one another. That's where I completely lost it, and I just started weeping. Uh, I, I, I couldn't hold back anymore at that point because there was just such a, there was such a nice element of seeing a relationship play out in a Disney animated film that felt very grounded in reality, even with all these magical elements like forget about the magic if you take all that out of it and you're just telling the story of this uh, individual and her family who is struggling to find her place within the family and also uh, like you were saying before the older generation um, also viewing her a certain way as well but then the two of them just kind of coming together uh, by the end
1: of it all I I was really really moved by it all Yeah, that song that plays during that moment. I I have to admit, the first time I I heard it, I was a little underwhelmed, honestly, just because it does go for such a more kind of muted presentation, despite the emotions in that scene being very heightened. And I will admit that initially that contrast was a little off-putting to me, but the more I have thought about it and the more that scene has settled with me, I've actually come around to really liking that song, and I do think it is one of the of these stronger moments in the film. Dos Oruguitas, I think it's called, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, Dos
2: Oruguitas.
1: And the,
0: for me, it was the visual storytelling. Yeah. Even if the song itself wasn't maybe the catchiest or the big banger of a song, like we were saying before, that none of the songs in this movie ever reach, it was the visual storytelling, the montage, and the way that they uh, showed... Uh, Abuela's history in that sequence that, that that was what did it for me.
2: Yeah. It's also the first song Le Manuel has written entirely in Spanish.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's interesting too because whenever I see this Vivo or anything that he writes, you know, music for it is very interesting how they're all kind of written in his singing style. Yeah. Like there's that element of a little bit of rap inserted into it sometimes um, and it's got like some hip-hop and you know so on and so forth and you know there's a lot of different influences at play here Uh, and once you like recognize Lynn's style it's kind of hard to unrecognize it but there are certain moments where I do think it is really uh, befitting of the type of story and the culture that they're trying to present here as well and like I said before, I I don't believe that any of the songs ever reached that higher level. Uh but I do think across the board they're serviceable to very good. Just I just I just don't think any of them are great. Even even uh this one, you know, like I said, it's like I don't know. I don't think it's because I don't speak Spanish. I don't think that that's the reason. Because the visuals were strong. The music itself was strong. I don't know if I necessarily needed the lyrics to kind of help me along with that. I don't I don't know, Josie. Uh, you you, sp- you speak Spanish, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, like, what, what did you make of it, like, being able to, you know, get everything out of it?
2: So, watching the film the first time, Dos Oruguitas was the first time that I was like, oh, okay, this is what I was waiting for. And it was mostly because I do see the um, how the song can feel a little bit mid in terms of the entire movie. Because at least the first time when I saw the film, I felt like the songs would floor the story. And I wanted them to mend more with the story a little bit better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But... I just really enjoyed how the song entirely wasn't Spanish. There were no subtitles. Like, it didn't feel othered, as we have seen in the past with other films that feature other cultures. Mm-hmm. So I did really appreciate Disney doing that. And it just felt like a nice pause. Like, the entire film, it just felt like we were constantly moving forward with Mirabel. And it was nice to just have that moment where it was just us seeing the story, seeing two people fall in love. And also, like, those oruitas is kind of to the style of a Spanish lullaby. So it just felt very unique and I found that to be very endearing.
0: Also, too, uh, we got the opportunity in this movie to hear more of the singing talent of Olka Merides, who yes. yes, who we saw earlier this year in, in the Heights. So that was very, very lovely to hear her singing voice for Abuela. I really, really enjoyed that a lot. What did you guys think of Bruno? in this, played by John Leguizamo. I, I want to just say before we get into that, I find it hilarious that we got Luca earlier this year with Silencio Bruno, and now we have another Disney movie with a character named Bruno.
1: Yeah. I'm <laughs> <Bruno>. uh, <yeah. laughs> I will be honest that Bruno was a character that I have mixed feelings on. I think that Leguizamo brings a lot of nice energy to it, like he normally does with every character he plays, but yeah. it also feels like a moment when... There was a note to get a quirky character in here, and I felt like it was maybe a little bit too much at that point in the movie, and the comedy that they were going for was rather hit or miss for me. And it didn't sink the movie overall, but that was definitely the part when it started to kind of lose me just ever so slightly.
0: I like the energy that he brought to it. I enjoyed it for the most part. I yeah, It wasn't laugh out loud funny, but I got some chuckles out of it here and there, and Overall, I liked that there was another character who had isolated themselves uh, from the family, self-imposed, really. And I like that, uh, once again, another connection for Mirabelle to make with another member of her family through uh, that feeling of being isolated and alone, detached from everybody else.
2: Yeah, especially so sad when you realize that, you know, what... Where he's been and everything he's gone through and the and just <laughs> so sad. That really tugged tugged at my heartstrings because I fell for him, especially when you think about the fact that he knew everything that was being said about him. And you're like, Bruno. <laughs> 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 but we don't talk about Bruno. It's my favorite one from this film because that entire sequence is just... Uh, chef's
1: kiss yeah talk about catchy like i am still sort of humming we don't want to talk about bruto it's even so
2: good it. when they I released enjoyed the that clip one a lot. on thanksgiving and day i was like yes disney manifestation does work
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the one that really sounds like a Lin-Manuel Miranda song.
2: Yes, because it just yes. makes like, I, rem- I I play it every day. Like I wake up and I go to sleep listening to that song because at least for me, I can definitely hear the influence of like early, like late 90s, early 2000s, like Spanish pop music that you- I would hear on the radio in the back of my mom's Mustang. I'm like, yes, we don't talk about Bruno. It's a hit. <laughs> you dance to it. It's like pure salsa and just the animation in that scene. It just, I love it. Because one thing I really like about this film is how throughout all the songs, you see how um, Latin dancing is included and meshed in this film. And it's so hard to rig animation as is. But the fact that they were able to get such fluid movements with these characters, I'm still wondering how they did it.
0: That's actually a great question for like an interview or something like that, that I'm sure that they, the animators would love to... Uh, talk about actually—that's yeah. that's great observation.
2: It was probably difficult.
0: <laughs> and speaking of which, I have to make a comment about this: the animation in this movie is gorgeous, like colorful, vibrant, just absolutely exploding with visual kinetic energy. That was an element of the movie that did not let me down, even in the slightest bit. I was pretty floored by some of the visuals that were conjured up in this, especially in the magical elements.
1: Yeah, uh, this is a really beautiful looking movie. And there's even times when not that it feels like gritty at all, but it feels like it does actually take on more sort of tactile filmmaking techniques, which you usually don't see in animated films a lot. They are usually extremely polished and... I really appreciated that aesthetic in this film, that it did, for as beautiful as it did look, it was able to kind of almost go like the camera would be handheld at times, you know, the virtual camera, and it would feel a little bit more rougher around the edges in a way, and I did appreciate that.
0: Mm-hmm. I think for me, it was mostly the soft, warm lighting of the interiors, especially like in nighttime. Uh, and also, too, I just loved seeing... The character designs um as i mentioned earlier at the top of the show disney has been telling a lot of stories lately that they that they normally haven't told in the past through different cultures so getting to see not necessarily i, I don't know like yeah I, i'll use the word realistic it's not photorealistic but i would say that it's not an exaggerated uh style of animation in terms of the characters. So, seeing them on screen also was something that I I think I'm just fixated on Mirabelle's hair. I I like, I love her hair in this movie. I
2: love it (laughs) because I remember when the first image of her came out I was like that's my hair at Disney where's my check and then I've seen so (laughs) many of other of my friends that have short curly hair and are Latinas and they're like oh my gosh she looks like me so they really paid attention especially just all the characters like all the characters that have curly hair and they have different types of curls and coils and then you have like Isabella which has straighter hair and it just speaks a lot to to how Latinos specifically come in such variety and also like the family itself like we have a variety of skin color we have Afro Latinos in this film which is something that a lot of people have been asking for and they did it so beautifully
0: all right so now what I want to do is I want to get to uh final thoughts on Disney's Encanto here so anything that we didn't mention that you want to bring up or something that you want to reiterate uh Josie we'll start with you
2: Yes, I think it's just a great film. A lot of people are going to come out of it loving it. I'm sure it's been doing well in the box office these past few days. So if you haven't seen it, please go watch it. It is beautiful. It is respectful of the culture. It is just a wonderful story about family and how we shouldn't put that much pressure on ourselves because we are wonderful. And what's that if not Disney?
0: Surface pressure. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> Josh Parm, what about you? Um I think I just want to reiterate just how much I did appreciate the diversity of the family members and I think that's something that it's not that hard and it, it's very relatively easy to do to get that into a movie and I think showing how every member of this family just looked So different from each other, but we're also still connected, I think, was a very nice thing to put into the world. And yes, especially since even other Lin-Manuel Miranda projects have been the subject of such controversy. It was nice to see this almost feel like a response, even though it clearly wasn't intended to be. But it's like it can be done. And look how wonderful it is.
0: I have a couple of things here. Um, First things first. I love the proposal scene and how everything just goes absolutely wrong. In that sequence, I got I got quite a good couple of uh, laughs and gasps and definitely oh shit moments <laughs> uh, from that sequence that I that I really enjoyed. This movie got me thinking a lot about what gift would I want? I mean, it's obviously something that, you know, you can't necessarily choose in this world. It kind of just happens to you talking to animals, super strength, flowers, I, I whatever, right? And so it just like I, I got I got interested in thinking about, oh, yeah, if I had a gift, what what would it be? You know, I mean, the ability to
1: heal very nice. <laughs> I mean, just ask Wolverine, you know, yeah. it's pretty good. I, I think that would uh, be very quickly the one I would want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I would want. Hmm. I don't know. Come back to me, Josie. What, what gift would you want?
2: I definitely related a lot to tia Pepa with her cloud (laughs) but i would love to be mirabe's mom julieta and just walk around with flowers in my pockets and heal people with food so i'm gonna i'm gonna bounce off josh i would really love to be julieta
0: (laughs) god is it lame for me to say uh the reading minds gift i'll just go with that (laughs) i would like to know what people are thinking Hey, it would be very helpful for an Oscar race. <laughs> 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 predictions a
1: lot easier.
0: Are you voting for Encanto or Flea? <laughs> oh, man, that's fantastic. And the other thing, too, I want to just say is I know it commented earlier on this film's lack of an antagonist. But the more I think about it, the more I'm just so impressed that the movie works without one. And I do think that that is why the themes at the end of the movie, in terms of the generational trauma and trying to build a better life for your family, and Mirabelle accepting her family for who they are, and them doing the same for her, like all of it just kind of comes together in a way that just feels much more relatable in a way that, you know, I normally don't see in Disney films. I tend to see these kinds of themes in other animated films that are more catered towards adults and less so towards kids and so seeing that brought here it's very complex and something that maybe i don't know i don't know if like the youngest of kids will necessarily be able to fully grasp the weight of the themes in this but at the same time i think that that's a great learning experience and one that i'm sure parents are very very appreciative of to be able to discuss then with their kids uh, afterwards And that's it for my final thoughts on Disney's Encanto. I'm a pretty big fan of it overall, even if I, I think I need to see it a second time just to be 100% certain about my feelings towards it. Overall, I really, really like it a lot. I got to admit, like the act of sitting down and watching like in the moment, because the storytelling structure was definitely uh, different and took me aback And some of the stuff that this movie was doing was different than other Disney movies before it. While still obeying the Disney formula in terms of, you know, everything's going to have a happy ending and everything's going to work itself out in the end and so on and so forth. I was still very moved by this overall. And I thought it was gorgeous to look at. I'm giving this a really high recommendation. I'm going with an 8 out of 10 for this. This is a very... A very, very good, respectful animated film from the Mouse House. Josie, what about you?
2: Yeah, I'm definitely giving it a 7 out of 10. So I'm still up there. I've seen it twice, and I can't wait to see it again. And I feel like my rating is probably going to go up eventually. But for now, I'm loving it. And definitely watch it again, because the second time had me like falling in love with it even more.
0: Yeah, I have a rule around here, uh, which is if I cry during a movie, I automatically bump my rating up an extra point. So truth be told, I was a 7 out of 10. But like I said, when they got me at the end, I was like, oh, damn it, it's going to be an (laughs) 8.
1: Josh, what about you? Uh, I am a 7 out of 10. Like, I I enjoyed it. It didn't really push me into the loving it territory, but I was entertained all the way through, and it's a very sweet movie that's incredibly easy to recommend to people. All right, and in
0: terms of the awards potential for this, uh, there are two categories that we have been discussing here at Next Best Picture since the very beginning, even before anybody saw the film, and I still think that these two categories are holding strong at the moment for Encanto. And that is best animated feature and best original song, which they are uh, campaigning now for Dos or or Guitas. Uh, so looks like that's the one that they're gonna ultimately push in the end. And having seen the film, I understand why. I think it makes a ton of sense. I do think that it is something that you need to see within the context of the film, though. And you can't. I don't know if I don't. I don't think you can listen to it on on your own without the visual story that's being told because then i i wonder then if people will still vote for it without
1: that yeah yeah i because i start to wonder like it kind of seems like they want it to be like a remember me from coco uh it just in terms of how like important it is emotionally in the context of the story but it also just i don't know it's like that song needed to have more build up to me, It's almost like we needed to hear a variation of it here or there so that we would get a bigger impact of it. And I think as it is, it's definitely the one that has the most emotional weight. But as you said, Matt, it requires so much context within the actual film that I almost wonder if that might impact its chances, too. And then
0: what do you think of it? Uh, obviously, it's going to get nominated for Best Animated Feature Film. But yeah, where do obvious. you stand with it winning right now at the moment?
1: Well, animated feature could still go a lot a couple ways. I'm still sort of holding out hope we can get a more inventive pick at something like Flea, but this could very well be like a default pick. But maybe there are so many default picks that that will spread out and something more interesting can come through. Yeah, I, I don't want to equate this to when Brave
0: won. I really don't want to do that. But it does remind me a bit of... It it was kind of like oh we're gonna we're gonna just default to Disney. It it does remind me of that a little bit here. But there are two default to Disney picks this year though because
1: there's still Luca. Yeah.
0: Yes, but I would argue that this is stronger than Luca because of the later release date, and also because I think the story is maybe a bit more emotional, emotionally resonant
1: than Luca for people. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think that. Right now, I would say it is between Flea and Encanto for this to win. And if it does, I think that it will be more so just the Disney brand that would propel it. I mean, it would still be a fine winner, but I would also be a little disappointed if in a year where we could maybe finally have something that isn't from a major studio win this award, for them to pass that up would be just a little underwhelming. I mean, the more I think about it, the
0: more I'm – listen, you know I'm in the camp for Flea. You know I'm gung ho for that movie. Really?
1: I did. I had not heard that, Matt.
0: <laughs> but I am beginning to wonder if Mitchell's versus the Machines is going to make a really heavy play. Uh, maybe harder than we're thinking it will. That's my top pick, and it played really
2: well at my for your consideration screening. And they're going really hard, so mm-hmm. I, I'm holding out hope for Mitchell's.
0: Yeah. So I I actually view it as. Kind of a race between, I mean, unless if Lee starts to win stuff, I kind of see this more as Mitchell's versus Encanto with Lee waiting in the wings, depending on if the critics give it that oomph, that push that it needs to establish itself as the front runner that some of us think it is.
1: Yeah, I'm still a little bit unsure about Mitchell's, to be honest. I kind of feel like that's actually more of a fringe contender than some other people, but I'm a little bit more alone on that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm still not totally sure about animated feature right now, and I think maybe I'm just doing some wishful thinking that they could pick something else besides the Disney movie, but it, that's probably a fool's errand with this category. But I think there's still potential. So at, at the moment, I'm going with the more interesting choice with Flea, but I think Encanto puts up a strong fight, and regardless, it will be nominated for animated feature. Yeah, Yeah, I think so, too. Any other thoughts? Anybody? Um, I do just think it is interesting they went with um, the song they chose and not the other one that we uh, initially assumed was going to be their pick, uh, Columbia, Me, and Canto, because that's, like, the more upbeat, dance-friendly song, and usually you would think that would be the one that they might at least maybe, like, do both of the songs to campaign, but push one over the other, but no, they just... Decided to let that other one go by the wayside. I found that to be a little interesting. I found it to be surprising they didn't go with Waiting on a Miracle. Yeah, but, you know, with, with original musicals, you always want to keep it focused, yeah.
2: Uh, Yeah, The it's just not the strongest film, the strongest song that they have on the soundtrack, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying earlier, it, it just doesn't seem like there's a song here that is a cut above everything else necessarily. I do think that the one that they went with is because of the way it works in the context of the movie. So as long as the movie itself is being watched by people, it stands a good chance. But if it's being listened to on its own, I am a little doubtful. And I do see a world where it could uh, surprisingly miss, actually, which I think would be a little shocking if it did.
1: Yeah, would bet on that right now, but it could happen. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, that'll do it here for our review of Encanto here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Josie, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the Internet. And thank you so much for being here with us today.
2: Thank you for having me here today. Um, You can find me at the Josie Marie on Twitter and Letterboxd.
0: Awesome. Josh Parham? You can find me on Twitter at JR Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.